The Tonight Show is an adult show. So if you're easily offended, <laughs> fuck you. Now, sit back, relax, and make some noise. I said, make some noise. And please welcome your hostess, the sensational Miss K.Y. Kelly. Hi guys, welcome to Behind the Queens with me, K.Y. Kelly. Coming up on today's show, I will be joined by Canal Street legend Mr. John Hamilton for part two of his amazing interview. So stay tuned. So how are we guys? I hope everyone is well. My God, this weather we've been having has been bloody glorious. I literally felt like I was abroad. But uh, in typical British fashion, it's now changed, doesn't it? And uh, it's now gone to rainy, miserable and bloody freezing. But no, when the weather was nice, I was enjoying it. Um, Yes, I did get a little bit sunburnt, actually. And now it's got to that stage where I'm peeling and I look like I've got fucking leprosy (laughs) on my shoulders and my nose. Honestly, I'm walking around like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. My nose is literally glowing. But yes, uh, obviously Boris said that we can have up to six people in our garden now for a social distance gathering. Have you been having any gatherings? We've had uh, Matt's mum and Nan round the other day for a little bit of a cheeky barbecue. And then my mum came round on a separate day. So yeah, it's all been good. It's been nice to see family members and stuff. I'm hoping there is a light at the end of this very, very dark tunnel. And literally, believe me, I am praying to God every day that it still does happen, that the 4th of July, the bars can open. Now, I'm not deluded. I know that it's going to be at a lower capacity and stuff and entertainment might not be able to start from the off. But if it can happen on the 4th of July that the bars can open their doors in whatever way, shape or form, then at least the ball is rolling. So hopefully soon (laughs) I can be back to doing what I love. Even though the weather has turned to doom and gloom, something to brighten our day. On Wednesday, the McDonald's drive-thru opened again. So, have you yet been to a drive-thru? Now, anyone who knows me knows I absolutely love the McDonald's chicken nuggets. However, I am going to shock you now. Even though it's reopened, I still haven't been. And that is for the fact of, as much as I love it... Do you know what? I don't want to spend my day in a bloody queue for a drive through Seeing some of the videos that I saw on Facebook on Wednesday, it was ridiculous. It was causing such congestion, blocking roads and everything. I'm like, do you know what, guys? I know we have all missed McDonald's, but let's get real for a minute here. Are you really, really that desperate for your McDonald's fix to be willing to sit in a queue for that long. And talking of queues, IKEA has actually reopened. Did anyone see on social media 
the queues of people waiting to get into Ikea. It was thousands of people and apparently the queue was about three, three and a half hours long. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you can order online from Ikea. So what is the actual need for people to be standing in that queue to get into the store? If it was for the meatballs, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but the cafe was not open. So you can't get your meatball fix. But yeah, I didn't understand that. I mean, do you know, don't get me wrong. I am loving the fact that places are starting to reopen and stuff. But there is no way I would go on the first day because everyone will be in the same mindset, wouldn't they? And you're going to spend the entire time queuing. It's not a necessity. I don't desperately need anything from Ikea. So, and if I do, I can order it online. But talking of queuing to get into Ikea, literally one thing that made me absolutely piss myself is some guy has been arrested for changing the arrows on the floor, you know, where they direct you and which way to queue. It ended up creating this little pen with no exits. <laughs> so some guy has been arrested. Now, I know this probably sounds awful to some people, but I actually found that hilarious. So on last week's episode, I did catch up with the amazing Manchester icon, Mr. John Hamilton, landlord of the iconic Bar Pop Manchester, and he did the most amazing interview. As I explained last week, we spoke for literally nearly two hours, and it was so interesting, I didn't want to cut any of the material out. So I did split the interview into two halves. Last week, first half, and today you're going to get to hear the second part of that interview. Now, just as a quick recap, recap, John has explained his thoughts on the lockdown, how he's been coping. He's also explained what the future holds for Bar Pop and uh, their plans, obviously, to reopen, fingers crossed, from the 4th of July. He did talk about when he came out at the age of 16 and it was illegal to be gay. Do you know what? That man has lived such an amazing, colourful life. He has been such an activist for many charities, including the George House Trust. Literally, if you didn't get to hear last week's interview, please, please, please do go and listen. And it will all link in nicely to this second part of the interview that we're going to hear right now. Now, you've touched on the Poptastic days there. Obviously, they were so iconic. Just tell us a little bit more about that. Right. Uh, basically, I came up with the idea because I was working for Healthy Game Manchester and I was doing all their events for them in the bars and stuff like that, you know, organising club events and specialist events and sex events, all t- stuff like that. And then through it, I got an illness uh, called ME. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't pronounce what it is now, but we always used to call it yuppie flu. It was only rich people that got it, and I was in a council flat, so I don't know how I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I came down with that, and literally for about oh ten months, I was bedridden and couldn't get out of bed, oh. and had to be spoon fed and stuff like that. Uh, and they didn't, and I had to get something to get my mind working. So after a while, I got mentally better and stronger. I came up, I told the agency, they kept my job open and said, look, get somebody strong enough to do the job. I'm no longer strong enough now. And it won't be for a couple of years. So they did that. And then I thought, well, I can't just sit here in my house and not do anything. So I came up with a club night once a week, midweek. And I thought, that's something to focus on mentally, get me better, stuff like that. So I uh, came up with the concept 
of Poptastic, which was basically indie music because there was no indie nights for gay people in the city. You know, so uh-huh. I came up with that. And then I thought, oh, well, there's a spill-off room, which is tacky pop. So yeah. basically it was a small room that held about 30 people. And DJ, an old DJ set up with seven-inch records playing classic tacky pop, which at that point was Wham, was Kylie. Yeah. There's all these tacky pop songs of, of, oh, of the like 80s that we got out. slated for liking. Do you know what I mean? Because we did that. Yeah. And literally we started it and we thought, oh, well, anybody turned up. And the first night, 200 people turned up. Wow. And the first night, we're like, oh, my God, maybe, you know, I've done something here. It's working. And then from then, it just mm-hmm. escalated. Uh, I know that the enemy got hold of it. Uh, the Guardian got hold of it. And it just went viral. Absolutely viral. And then it came to the point where we were asked to go and do some guest spots at other clubs. And then those guest spots become residencies. And then we were doing Belfast, Dublin, Glasgow, Edinburgh, uh, Leeds, Hull. I'm going around the country. Liverpool, Nottingham, London, Birmingham. Wow. All around doing these club nights. And it became an absolutely huge phenomenon. But the hard thing was that because I was the face of it all, I had to be at all these events. And it was great, yeah, it was yeah. fantastic, but it was it was taking a toll on me, you know. And mm. when I see pop stars touring and stuff like this and you hear about them and think, well, I've been in that position, and that position is quite simply, where do I get all this energy from? And it mm. was, where do I get this energy from? And that energy ended up coming out of a bag, you know. And yeah. that's how I ended up being on drugs, you know. Okay. I ended up uh, a huge, huge cocaine addict. Uh, and it was nothing to me to spend £2,000 a week on, on coke, you know, because yeah, yeah. I was up and down the country, all around the place, everywhere, and I had to be on stage. I had to be high. I had to give them the entertainment they wanted. Yeah, and it was the your surroundings as well, I imagine. Yeah, it was the yeah. surroundings. I mean, it wasn't so much the people that ran my office. I mean, at one point, Poptastic was taking £1.5 million a year, you know, wow, but so... it was all going up my nose. You know, I have yeah, nothing yeah. to show. I have some... I've, I have loads to show for it, but it's financially... Uh, in the early days, I had nothing because I was partying too much. You know, my my accounts manager and uh, and my production manager, they bought cars and houses and stuff like that. But I was still in a rented flat. I was still, you know, all this. I, I, I just had nothing because the drugs had took over, you know. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, through the years and stuff like that, one day I woke up and just thought, I can't do this anymore. And that was mm-hmm. it. I just can't do this anymore. And I went uh, to the doctor and I said, I need rehabilitating or whatever like this so they sent me to this nhs one mm-hmm. <laughs> i remember <laughs> going to it in cheatham hill you know rehab place i went in and they said right you have to sit around in this group and i sat in this group and i went this ain't me i'm not part of this group yeah. I literally was people scratching their arms because they're all injecting and stuff like that and it was basically all baggage i call yeah. it and I yeah. just said, I'm oh, sorry, I'm going. And they pulled me and said, no, you've got to be part of this. I went, no, this is not me. i sorry, I want to, but this is not me. I'm not on this level. I'm a social drug taker mm. and I want to stop, but I'm not part of this group. So I said, I, I just don't yeah. fit in and it's not going to work. I tried, and they tried to get me, I tried, no. So in the end, I got a counsellor, got a counsellor and got me. And they said, okay. And they got me into this other group, which was a private group, which was... Uh, Doctors, police, judges, all these other people that had addictions like me. And I got to join that okay. group. And through that group, uh, over a couple of months, uh, I, I came out of it. I came out of it smiling. 
And it was really yeah. hard because my circle of friends, I had a huge circle of friends. Everybody loved John. Why? Because he had the drugs. Yeah. yeah and then yeah, I yeah. stopped and then all of a sudden, boom, I didn't have a circle of friends. That was yeah. one of the hardest situations I've ever been in. Uh, almost to the point of, you know, wanting to kill myself. You're thinking, no, it's not worth carrying on. Things are going wrong. Uh, medically, I wasn't very well at the time as well. You know, various things going on. And I just couldn't see a way out of it. It was awful, awful. But it was a journey I had to go through. And once the light started shining, it was great. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, had to, I had a partner at that time which I had to finish with because he wouldn't stop. And he told me that he was stopping, but okay. he, was, he was still using. So I had to finish with him to cut him out of my life because I didn't want any, any of that temptation around me. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be I could do it at know. work. I could have people at work, you know, while I'm clubbing. I'm going to expect that. That's part of the nature of uh -huh. clubbing. So that's fine. That's work. But when I finish work, I go home. I don't want it at home. Does, no, does that no. make sense? Uh, I'm an, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I'm an ex-alcoholic. I can stand in a pub, but I wouldn't have the pub in my house. You know, that type of thing. And I finished with him. He was an American. I said I would never go out with an American again. I wouldn't go near okay. Americans with so much news. And I thought, right, I need a fresh. He was an air steward for Continental at the time. So I had free air travel. <laughs> so oh, well. I thought, right, I'm going to take myself away. So I thought, right, I'm going to go to America. So I had some friends in Orlando and said, come to us, John, for a couple of weeks. I went, OK, let's go. And so I flew, went to fly over. And just as I'm flying, Hurricane David hit. Okay. So as I got in, I said, I'm sorry, you can't. You can't fly to Orlando because uh, it's all been shut down because of the hurricane. I'm like, Christ, OK. So we can divide you somewhere else. I mean, I'll tell you what, I'll go to New Orleans. And as you know, I've been there before. I love New Orleans. So I don't go to yeah. New Orleans. Then realised I couldn't get any accommodation. Couldn't understand why. Couldn't understand. And found out it was a gay festival on called Southern Decadence. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's 250 gay men. On Bourbon Street. 250,000 gay men on Bourbon Street. Unbelievable. Wow. So I managed to get accommodation. <laughs> uh, had a sleep. Got up. I remember it now. Getting up. Walking into Bourbon Street. Had a few drinks in the gay bars. And I thought, oh, I go to the gay club now. I went to the gay club and uh, met this guy. And I thought, oh, yes, I've not had sex for ages. This guy doesn't know who I am. Didn't know me as John Popsastic. Because everywhere I went to the yeah, UK, yeah, yeah. everybody knew me as John Popsastic. So... Yeah. I went there, I went, yeah, 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 I'm going to have sex tonight. Yeah, fantastic. All this type of thing, as you do. And then uh, I'm just about to cop off, about to leave, in walks with this guy, with this group of people. So bubbly, full of life. I thought, oh, it's another European. I thought this guy was from Greece. Anyway, everyone got drinking. And somehow the two groups merged and got talking. I ended up talking to this guy. And uh, that was Antonio, 17 wow. years ago. Oh, that's wow. how I met Antonio, New Orleans. One little thing that, I have to say is amazing and it wasn't planned but it happened is that we got married to get Antonio the papers we had to go to uh -huh. New Haven and we got married uh there's a long story to that but I'll tell you that another time how it happened but we managed to get married in New Haven and get the papers so he could apply for his visa we went back to New York uh and he told everybody everybody in his office was upset and all his friends were deeply upset that we got married on the quiet we couldn't get married in New York because it wasn't legal, but New Haven, Connecticut, okay. recognised gay marriage. So we got married okay. there. Forget about the UK. The UK hadn't done it yet. So yeah. that was fine. So in the end, Tony got the papers and was ready to move over. So he was having a leaving party. 
And then one of his friend's best friend said, why have a leaving party? Why don't you get married or have a blessing of a marriage wedding that we can all attend? So, so they put it together. He put it to me. I said, yeah, that'd be lovely. Let's have a wedding that we didn't have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even though we've got the papers, let's have a wedding. And I said, do you mind if I get a, a minister from the MCC church? I said, I'd like to have a minister to have it done properly. And he went, yeah. So we had a meeting with her and she put the show, uh, put the show together, put the service together. And we did that. So then it was like, where are we going to get married? Where are we going to do the service? And I said, I'll tell you what, we're sat in it. And he said, what do you mean? I said, we're sat in this bar. Let's do it in this bar. So he went and chat to his friends. And they went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we asked the guy, I said, there's any chance... You know, we know you're not open on a Saturday during the day. You're open in the evening. Can we hire the bar? And he went, absolutely, why not? What not? What for? I said, oh, we want to do a marriage blessing. Oh, he said, yeah, that'll be the first one for us. I said, okay, that'd be great. So everything's set, the date's set, everything's set. Guess what? Go on. On Friday, New York State made gay marriage legal. The day before oh. our wedding. I think that was the 10th oh. of December. <laughs> it was. Okay. wedding. So we turned up. Everybody super hyper, hyper, hyper. Absolutely unbelievable. You can't, you know, the atmosphere was amazing. The place, yeah, yeah. we got a group of 20 people committed together to decorate the place and all of this. Yeah, the place yeah. looked fantastic. So the minister wow. stood up. It was only a 15-minute service. And it ended up being, what, nearly an hour. Wow. Everybody was crying. <laughs> oh, how Because we didn't, we didn't know this was happening, but the bar we, the bar we yeah. were studied and at the wedding was Stonewall. Oh, my Stonewall God. in New York. Wow. And, and it, it was it's just the way it all happened. So as you come about the history of Stonewall and the riots and lesbian, and here we are yeah. having the first gay marriage in Stonewall Bar. <laughs> Wow. I'm crying wow, here the story. Oh. I know, I'm feeling up as well. Wow. But yeah, so that's, I have to say for me, has been one of the most, not achievements, but amazing events in my life. You know, yeah, I, and we, we didn't plan it. We didn't plan it or anything. Yeah, how amazing for yeah, that to happen like, the day before. And, so, and you know, I'm such a believer in things happen for a reason and that was meant to happen for you. I honestly believe that. I mean, like, it was unbelie unbelievable. We had, you know, people from all walks of life. And we invited, I think it was nearly 300 guests turned up. I mean... I bet that was some... It was an amazing... Was. <laughs> the party was the special guest, right? Okay. The special guest we flew in from Manchester. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, and we said, and every so often, we'd have to go on the mic and say, look, she's delayed, she's coming through customs. She is coming, and everyone was getting excited about this guest. And we managed to fly over for the wedding was Viva La Diva. <laughs> 90% of the crowd did not know I did drag. The end of our Tony's okay, partnership okay. like that. So, of course, I had to disappear for 40 odd minutes to get dressed. And then in yeah, the cabaret yeah. room at Stonewall, I came out as Viva La Diva. And I hadn't got a clue. Wow. They thought it was amazing. You know, <laughs> I had to stop the show after a couple of numbers and take my wig off and go, Hi, everybody, it's me. <laughs> Absolutely erupted. Absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, that's another high for me. Another high for me is to actually yeah. say I performed at Stonewall Bar.
that was going to be a question I was going to ask yeah. you actually is if there is anywhere in the world I mean obviously I don't know what will top that but if there is anywhere in the world you could perform where would you do it that is really hard because I would say it had to be Stonewall you know it would yeah, be yeah. Stonewall I've done London I've done heaven you know I've done yeah. the old I've done the black cap I've done the Royal Vauxhall yeah. you know I've done all That's those it. but for me is yes as to say I've done Stonewall bar you know, uh, yeah, what an wow! You know, wow. Uh, and, and yes, it was a private bar. But the guy that owned the bar came up to me afterwards and actually said, "That is old school drag." He said, yeah. "We don't get that entertainment anymore." He said, "It just doesn't happen in New York anymore." And he said, uh, "The bar staff were on the bars, clapping their hands, going mad. Everything." He said, "We just don't have it." He said, "I have to tell you, I'm so." grateful that you came to do the show and stuff like that i was like that well book yeah. me again you bastard <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm available here's yeah, my diary <laughs> but it was great now my final question for you i mean i don't want this interview <laughs> to end it could go on i could chat to you forever but my final question that i do have for you is where do you see yourself in five years is there anything else you'd like to tick off your bucket list as you say or want to have achieved Within five uh, years, I really don't know. What would I like? I mean, we all want to be like, loved. We all want to yeah. be a star. It's like somebody said to me, "Oh, would you go on RuPaul's Drag Race?" Uh-huh. And I thought about that and stuff like that. And I thought, well, I've not got the drive for that. Yeah, no, I don't yeah, yeah. sing like yourself. Uh, I don't sew. <laughs> I don't tell no, jokes. I don't. I don't tell jokes. You know. I just, what skill have I got? <laughs> oh, you are a natural, funny entertainer. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. I think you're fabulous. Uh, and I, and so, so I don't think that would be my goal. I'd like to do something with TV. Yeah, yeah I'd love to do I would like to TV, do something yeah. with TV. That's a goal. And, you know, who knows what's down the road. Uh, that would be lovely. And that's purely about, I love entertaining, as you said, like yourself. Uh, with the yeah. bar, five years, will we still be here? Who knows? I bloody hope so. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> if if a brewery came to me and offered me a big lump of some of money to take over the bar and the concept, then I'm not going to say no. Uh, yeah. You know, I'd like to carry on, but sadly, I'm 55 this year. Okay. So, 55 years. Well, young, 55 years young, yeah. But God, I don't feel like in the morning when I'm getting out of the bed. <laughs> <Everything's> <laughs> a- especially after last night doing the show, everything's aching today. Uh, yeah. fact, I don't know. I mean, we have talked about retiring is a goal. We don't know when that goal is going to be, if that makes sense. We're saying five years, but yeah, it could yeah. be ten, or it could be two. We don't yeah. know. We, But we said that we both wouldn't retire to do nothing. We said that we'd probably end up by a bar in Sidges or by a bar in Benidorm and just do it part-time. Well, darling, how many times have I tried to stir that <laughs> up and put this out there? Bar Park Benidorm, Bar Park yeah. Blackpool. <laughs> bar I, know, Park I know, I know. <laughs> And people fucking believe it, these Absolutely. vulnerable facts. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> but I don't know. We really don't know. We, You know, we are, I know it sounds awful, but we are leaning towards Benidorm or something like that. Basically, because it's a 12-month season. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Antonio likes it because it's mixed both Spanish and English. He really likes yeah. that. And also for us, transport-wise, it's easy to get to Valencia, international flights, all things like that. Yeah, yeah. So we have to think about numerous aspects 
So I think that's what we're probably looking at. Who knows? I mean, the goal, I think, is at the moment is to see whether we can save up and buy an apartment or villa in Spain first before we make a decision and look at that, do that step first. I don't know. I mean, I'm jealous when I see uh, Scott Thunderpussy. Yeah, big friends of Scott and getting his villa and everything in Spain. Every time I see that, I think, oh, I so want that myself. Because Scott worked tirelessly up and down the country. Absolutely. He's like, I've always said, like, Thunderpussy's like my drag mother, really helped me get into drag. And he always said to me, are you in it for the fame or the purse? That's what you need to know from day one. And he's always said he was in it for the purse. He's managed to get mortgage free when he was in the UK, now bought this villa. And that's the thing, as much as we enjoy it, it is a job. And that's what you've got to do. We can have the finer things in life from doing this, you know. We, we, um, you know, what's that saying? You don't uh, live to work, you work yeah. to live. And I think that when we when we start off, like we all, we all do things for, for a pint of lager and a packet of crisps to start off, you know, but yeah. as it gets down, you think, right, going, no, you need to respect me, you need to pay me. You know, yeah. and to me, at the beginning, that was a bit hard because I felt a bit guilty. Now, it's like, you've asked me to come and do something because I can add something to your event or your night. So therefore, you need yeah, to respect yeah. You need to need to pay me, you know, uh, and that was hard. I, I, I don't know about you, but to me, that was hard at the because I was always charity John, charity John. Uh, but now yeah. it's like, no, this is it. You know, I had to put, you know, I've got a goal now. I've got five years to save as much money as I can for retirement or whatever that may be. And that is my yeah. goal. The bar, all our savings, all our pension went into this bar. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we put everything in it so that when we come to sell this bar, we'll have a decent lump sum to party with to retire with, whatever you want to call. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my darling, it has been an absolute pleasure. As I said, I could talk to <laughs> you for hours. I just love it. I love all your stories and I'm sure the viewers are going to absolutely love listening to you. And do you know what? I have just made a decision. I am having you back on this podcast very soon just so we can pick up from where we left off because I know you there is so much more to tell us <laughs> oh, well. and obviously, yeah I know I know but thank you so so much for that my darling and I really hope to see oh, you oh my soon. darling thanks for having me see you later bye darling bye, bye. Well, there we go. Thank you so much to the amazing John Hamilton for that incredible interview. And thank you so much for everyone that did tune in and listen to last week's part one and, of course, part two this week. Don't forget, you can check out John Hamilton, a.k.a. Diva La Diva, on Facebook Live every Sunday at 6pm for his wonderful bingo followed by Queen of the Night, which is a rotation of all the amazing bar pop queens. And of course, when we are lucky enough to have the bars reopen, do go and check out Bar Pop Manchester. Absolutely the heart of Canal Street, one of the best bars in the gay village. Yes, so talking of Facebook Lives, I will be back myself this Sunday at 4pm for Sunday service online. And then going forward with these podcasts... I obviously have a list of queens and people that I'd love to interview, but I'd love to hear from you. Is there anyone you would like me to interview? Is there anyone you'd like to hear from? You know, 
dive into their background, their stories, get to know these people a little bit more, please do drop me a message. But yes, in the meantime, I will look forward to seeing you on Sunday during my Facebook Live show. Take care. Fingers crossed the weather picks up a little bit better. And I will hopefully see you all soon. Ta-ra! Thank you.